On today's show, I'm lucky to have Brian Roberts, the Chief Diversity Officer at Lockton with us. Brian is an Ivy League graduate like myself. He's the Chief Operating Officer on top of his Chief Diversity Officer role at Lockton. And he has some really clever ideas about how companies in the insurance industry can collaborate in terms of driving change and improving diversity, equity, and inclusion in the space. So if that sounds interesting, uh, stick around and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Brian Roberts, the Chief Operating Officer for the Midwest Series at Lockton. He's also the Chief Diversity Officer at Lockton. He's also an Ivy League graduate and a former professional soccer player. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome. Today's episode is part of our diversity, equity, and inclusion series, where I've had a mix of women leaders, black leaders, white leaders, each talk about their career journeys and what it's been like for them to navigate the complex dynamics of different social groups on their journey. And so in keeping with the tradition, I'd, I'd love it if you could maybe start by sharing a little bit about how you, a little bit about your career and a little bit about how you ended up as the chief diversity officer at Lockton. Yeah, no, happy to. So. I've now been at Lockton for 13 years, found it via almost happenstance with Ron Lockton recruiting me off of, off of the soccer field as a coach. And from there, I, I joined in, in the operations group. And I had for a long time done a lot of work on the diversity side that I would say is unofficial. Uh, right. The beauty of working in operations, you, you have access and visibility to budgets so you can move things to to suit your your needs. And so I did have a couple of what I'd call Skunk Works diversity projects going on. Our journey as a company in diversity, equity, inclusion actually started with inclusion. And okay. so we had a chief inclusion officer about five years ago that was uh, announced. At that time, I made, I was, I was noisy. I made some of that good trouble that, uh, that is often talked about. And I, I was pushing the organization to understand why would we have just an inclusion officer. Why wouldn't we go all the way and have diversity? Right. There were answers, but you know, for me, they weren't good ones. Fast forward to 2020 and the, the summer of 2020 and George Floyd happening. I again get real very noisy. And as you right. know, there was moments where companies were making statements and other companies were remaining quiet. I made it very clear that I didn't think this was a moment that we could be quiet. And so I made some more good trouble. We had some more conversations. I see where this is going. <laughs> yes. And we did make a statement and follow up to that was, hey, look, you clearly have passion and energy around that. You know our culture. We, we think it would be great for you to be our first chief diversity officer and partner with our chief inclusion officer to help us on this journey. So that's, I agreed. Yeah. And uh, that's now we're, we're three years in and yeah. it's been a fun ride. Yeah, sometimes that's what happens, right? You you speak up, you make some noise, and people say, "All right, well, you don't like it, you know." You guess what you just did? You just signed yourself up for the job, which I'm certain you you cared enough about to be thankful and proud of that. But sometimes you know, you're like, "You need to do this, you need to do that," and then it's all of a sudden like, "I try now." They're like, "Great, you do it. You, we, we we agree. We need to do it. You're in charge." So, good oh, for yeah. you, man. That's that's Talking awesome. Talking your way to a job is a thing, right? And uh, I've definitely. Talked my way so you, into this. So you guys have a diversity chief diversity officer and a chief inclusion officer that are separate. Is that right? 
We did for some or, time. She has uh, okay. our inclusion officer left. And so okay. um, now we just have the chief diversity officer. Okay. Interesting. And do you sort of end up being responsible for, I guess, is the role sort of expanding to include inclusion just kind of inherently because there's nobody else in that? Yes. There was so much overlap. It was actually nice to have two players playing in the DEI space. We never really divided it by inclusion and diversity. So when she moved on, it was pretty seamless to just continue to do the work on both sides. Cool. So I guess, especially given that you, it sounds like you were noisy about it for a reason, like it meant something to you. And so, especially now that DEI is so important for many companies, obviously not just locked in and, and you, what, what did it mean for you personally to be asked to take this on? Like, how did that feel? And how do you think about that now? It meant a lot and it, it's a huge responsibility, right? And for me, DEI is really around opportunity. And okay. I look at how through my history, different opportunities were created. And for me, it's about being able to create opportunities for others. And the beauty is in a company like Lockton that grows at the rate that Lockton has, has been blessed to grow by, opportunities abound. And it's just a matter of making sure that those opportunities land in an equitable fashion, right? So it means a lot yeah. to have that responsibility. Yeah. I think back to your noisemaking, right? Is it, I'm curious, like what drove that for you personally, right? I, I imagine you saw something that needed improving, right? I don't know what comes to mind when you think about why was that so important to you? Yeah, it was, it was important to me because like I said, Lockton, Lockton's growth has been amazing. Yeah. And for me, what the best part of Lockton has always been has been the heart behind that growth and how that growth has, has been accomplished. And it was important to me. It felt like here's this company that's doing things the right way and has a good heart about it, but they're stopping short on this issue. And right. the question to me was always why? What, what are we afraid of to really not dip our toe in this water, but just jump in the deep end and say, hey, we're in insurance. We know we no. lack diversity, but we're going to put our heart behind making that change. And it was like most companies, not a lack of belief in DEI. It was a fear of doing it the wrong way, saying the wrong right. thing. And they just needed someone to say, okay, you're willing to do that. We're willing to go along with you if you're willing to do that. And that noise that you talked about was big because they needed someone to say, hey, it's, this is important and it's important that our company get involved here. Yeah, I mean that I certainly remember when there was pressure to start investing in DE and I as a leader. Matt, my first reaction was sort of like I naturally try to be supportive and inclusive. I've always tried to do my best to create a diverse environment. So why do I need to talk about it? why do I need to make a big deal out of it? And I quickly realized that just ha having the conversation is what with the team, with the company about it uh, just sh was a sign of the significance that it had, right? Whether or not we did it implicitly or not being explicit about how we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion is a signal that, hey, this matters, right? Right. Maybe we're doing it, maybe we're not. And so and for me personally, I come from, my mother's Arabic, my father's Southern, white, you know, by the grace of God, you know, lives in the South. And it was an interesting culture growing up because New Orleans is, is very segregated, pretty much yeah. white and black. And I grew up in a Christian family and was taught good Christian values. And there was always something that sort of didn't make sense to me about the community that we lived in because it was, you know, we, at least in the eighties, there was still some, some sort of residual 
racism from the the adults that were you know our parents right and so yeah. roaming around town thinking you know we're all treated equal you know as i was taught in catholic school but then seeing the segregated community where things definitely weren't equal like it always it was always really confusing for me and when i got into my career anytime i've had a chance to to hire people i ran an internship program at a college i've had manager roles for me it's always been just a, a natural kind of hey let's make sure we have a pretty diverse group here. And the result has always been just frankly, a lot more fun. I had a 20 person internship group and right out of college, it was a mix of, we had, I think 11 guys and nine girls, which for tech company was like, you know, extraordinary from a diversity perspective. And we had one guy from Mexico, a couple of Indian people, and man, we had so much fun that summer. And I think a lot of it came from the fact that we just had a really diverse group. So it's always been personally relevant for me. And it's always good to hear you know, what kind of drives other people's motivations behind this. I guess now that you're in this role, right? I gather you're responsible for at least creating or steering the strategy at Lockton. What can you tell us about how Lockton approaches DE&I now that you're, now that you're leading the charge? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And we're on the tail end of adjusting our approach, right? And so it's, it's funny. I don't do a lot of interviews like this because I don't expect to hold us out as if we've mastered this, right? We're on the journey just like everybody else is. And frankly, we've recalibrated our journey. And we started around some uh, four pillars around the CEO Action Network, which is a great organization and has a great mission. The more that we got into the work, it just felt like it didn't align exactly with our company culture and values. There was definitely Mm -hmm. alignment and belief in what those words say, But what we found is using our nomenclature, using the words that we use was something that was going to feel better, resonate, and allow us to sustain. And I think we've all seen the waves that are riding on DEI, right? You know, in 2021, DEI was every panel, every podcast. Here in 2022, it starts to wane, right? And so us changing our strategy to align our, our three main pillars are our clients and our associates and then the communities and us mm. realigning our DEI strategy to not be buckets that we could put underneath them, but directly aligned with how are we going to help our clients be better in diversity? And how do we show up there? And then how do we show up internally in our organization? And then close it with how does that show up in the communities where we can really activate? And so that has, we're very excited about that, that reorganization. It's interesting. It's the first time I've heard somebody talk about how they can help their clients be more diverse. I hear vendors, right? Hey, we have a vendor strategy. We ask our vendors, do they have people of color or women in leadership? Like I hear that. I always hear the internal piece. The community piece I hear is a little bit, right? Hey, we're trying to affect their community somewhat. That's the first time I've heard that a company trying to impact their clients and their diversity, which is awesome, right? I mean, the way I think any channel that aligns with the way you think about your business anyway, feels like a more natural and therefore likely more successful strategy, right? Because it just right. fits into the operations and the way you do things. And if you're incorporating DEI into your the way you do things, that's the best way to you don't want to try to introduce a new way of doing things on top, like on top of another way of doing things. Now you're butting heads. So interesting. So you guys you've sort of evolved from a sounds like where you were before, a slightly different approach to now one that's just aligned with the way you do business. I love that. Yeah, and um, I think it and it'll have the hope is is we can have an even bigger impact, right? So when you talk about the client piece, if we can help our clients get more diverse, that is more impactful 
it's a multiplying effect than us just doing our own part from our own associate base. And is that you know, just through evangel? Are you just saying like, hey, this is it? Or like, hey, look what we're doing. You know, hint, hint. You might want to be doing something similar. Like, how do you affect your clients? That's fascinating. It's responsive to them, right? So sure. most of our clients, so we spend a lot of time in the middle market. And the upper market, I think, has the resources to hire their own chief diversity officers and really invest in DI. In the middle market, no different than risk management, right? Some of these companies choose not to or don't aren't ready to have their own risk manager. And in the same way, they're not ready to have a chief diversity officer. And so how can, but they want to make an impact in diversity. So how yep. can we help consult them? How can we help? We do, we're doing a lot of just connecting them to the vendors in diversity hmm. that are doing good work and that can, hmm. you know, what are the best trainings out there? That's hard to find and you're getting inundated with uh, outreach. So how can you find the best vendors and how can you just assess your own diversity platform? So those are the types of things that we're doing, not necessarily becoming a diversity consultant, but we broker insurance every day and connect companies to products. We can do the same thing in that space. My sense is this pod, actually, I know this podcast is making a difference. We had one, I'll tell you a story. We had one executive come on the show from Epic Brokers and Derek Thomas was on the show and we had a fantastic conversation. And then we invited another executive on the show from a different agency. And apparently the board shut it down because they heard Derek's podcast and realized they weren't doing enough and that they were worried about being embarrassed with their posture on the show. And I was disappointed, obviously, because I kind of wanted them to come on and talk about it. Would have loved to hear about their journey, but also realized that I think literally at the board level of this this top 25 agency, the the show made them realize that they're dropping the ball. So yeah, if you're looking for ways to 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 impact your customers, maybe you should start a podcast. Yeah. I'm not as talented as you. I'll I'll leave that to you. You fit right in. You're a natural man. So, you know, as a, another sort of background around why I started the show is when I thought about DEI in the space, I sort of took a look in the mirror and realized, you know, white male executive in a white male led industry, you know, there's got to be something I can do here. And so this is my outlet for trying to drive change. When you think about the industry and obviously the lack of diversity in the executive suite, right? Is there, is there anything you think that, white male leaders in the space can do, right? I'm sure they're not just going to give up their job for to drive diversity, but right, it's, it doesn't just happen overnight. Like what what advice would you give to, you know, agency owners and leaders who are, you know, a situation where their executive teams are mostly white men? How do you deal with that? Because I'm sure it's like there's a lot of people in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say everybody, but nearly everybody's in that situation, right? And right. and that's right. that's that's the reality. I often say things or say a statement that a lot of people don't like, and that is okay. diversity can't be solved without the white male executive. <laughs> and so yeah. it can't, right? And what I would say, or what I do say to white male executives is that it's really about advocacy, right? Okay. And advocacy at the corporate level in the company, like, yes, our company should do all of the different individual items. But if you aren't modeling the way in that, on an individual level and looking at a high performer and grabbing that person and making sure that person could be a woman that could be a, per, a trans person, a black person, yeah. whoever it is, there's high performers in all of those backgrounds. 
Yep. And can you grab one? You don't have to make them the CEO, but right. can you bring them into that circle? And yep. if we got consistent advocacy from white male executives, and even if it was just one or two, the impact would be massive. And so to me, that's, yep. that's the biggest message is, yes, I need your advocacy and dollars on the topic, but if you can model the way with one or two, yeah. It's a copycat game and your subordinates will do the same and it multiplies very quickly. Yeah. That's great advice. I wish we had the size of an org where there was that level of sort of opportunity, but I get it right in the insurance, these larger agencies and the carriers. I'm certain there's tons of opportunity. And actually I've seen the carriers put, put quite a lot of investment into this, into this space in terms of advocacy and you're smiling like you got response. I'm not going to let you off the hook, right? Because you're right. You got a 25 person, you know, wonderful company. To me, it's like, okay, can, how do you go grab and apply your advocacy outside yeah. your organization? And then, you know, we know that underserved communities and those newer founders of businesses, they struggle at capital and all those things. I would say your advocacy could come outside. That's and fair. That would have a, a huge impact as well. That's fair. I'll take that. Yeah, my first episode of the show, I had a executive coach on the show who focuses on DEI, and I had her do a session with me. And it's like, hey, look, I'm kind of a amateur DEI executive here, and we sort of did a bit of a coaching session. It was a, it was very educational, I have to say, and and really set the foundation for a lot of the topics. But I learn a lot from these conversations about what other people are doing. And I do take that on board when I think about our company and how we do things. So I appreciate you pressing the issue there. And I, <laughs> I, promise, to, I, I, I promise to stand by it. It's important. Yes. Brian, the, the name of the show, The Enlightened Agent, try to tie what we're doing back to that a little bit. So enlightenment is defined as the state of knowledge or understanding. And so in an effort to enlighten our audience, I wonder if there's any knowledge or understanding about DE&I that you haven't shared that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, the to me, enlightenment in the DEI world comes around. I view one of the reasons we haven't had the progress we want to have is because we've been viewing diversity as an individual sport, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I would really love all of us to think of it as a team sport. And how do companies collaborate together to move the needle and create opportunity for all? And I think there's just so much more power when Lockton and Broker Buddha work together or when Lockton and a carrier work together. And it's, it, that ties to why we're pushing into the client space, right? Because if we can partner with other companies to move the needle in the space, all boats rise. Yep. And the alternative is, especially at the broker world, what we do is we right pocket, left pocket, right? I'll go take three of, you know, Gallagher's high potential from some background and they'll take my, you know, Aon will take mine and all we do is shuffle the cards, right? Right. And what we really need is is to be working together to create new opportunities and bring new people to the to the industry. Have you seen that type of collaboration in the industry? Like is that happening? Do do companies do I don't know. Like we I haven't done this, but is that something people do? I have. It's been very rewarding to work with all of my competitors. Yeah. If I call their chief diversity office, they will answer my call and they will open their playbook and say, well, here's what we've done. And the huh. collaboration there 
has been very good. I would give a shout out to all of the diversity officers that both at carriers and like I said, direct competitors have been very collaborative. For me, it's now how do we expand that from core insurance to other financial services firms Mm. and spaces so that we can really create some momentum. That's fascinating because it's an area where I think you know, whether you're competing, right? Carriers you're not competing with, brokers you are, but like this is an area that just feels too important not to collaborate on. And frankly, there's no downside, right? It's not like you're giving away a corporate secret that they, you know, all of a sudden you want them to be successful in this area. You want everybody to be successful in this area. That's how that's how all the boats rise, as you said. So I love that idea and respect the fact that you're doing that. And I I hope it continues because you know, especially when you're talking about people and operations, which is obviously your world, right? Like that's like the lessons you can get from these other companies and the, the nuggets of, of knowledge, I think it's going to go a long way and hopefully driving change for Lockton and for, or for the industry. So that's probably one of the best pieces of knowledge I've heard dropped on the show. So for those listening, if you're in the ecosystem, I reach out to Brian. He wants to tell you about what they're doing there. And I'm sure he wants to learn from you. So. 100%. We're an open book and we'd love to learn and, and continue to collaborate across the, across the industry. Awesome. Well, Brian, this has been an enlightening conversation. <laughs> really appreciate you having on the show. Anything else you want to share with our audience before we wrap up? I think I believe in this. The consistency of small things make big impact. So that advocacy is not just unique to the white male executive, right? We all have responsibilities. So love it. Awesome. Well, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you hopefully in person one of these days. Look forward to working together, getting our teams together more, and wish you all the best of luck both in your role as an operator and also in the diversity side of things. I really appreciate you coming on the show. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. 